A circle. Simple. Round. Refined. A shape that was spoken into existence with the universe. And a shape that holds powerful meaning. We see this shape all over creation. The sun. Stars. Our earth. And we find it in some of our most precious possessions. It's a beautiful symbol of wholeness and completeness. A symbol of infinite motion. It's a shape that represents love and commitment and a symbol of unity. Unity, an idea of connectedness even when separated. To be a group of people moving in the same direction with the same heartbeat. It's an idea that we, as a family of churches, are better together than we are by ourselves. We were never meant to be alone. And we believe in being a community of action, that our love for one another will drive us beyond the four walls into our communities to share the transformative presence of God with our neighbors. It's a love that brings families back together. That's the community we strive to be, bringing heaven to earth. Amazing things happen when a group of people commit to one cause, when they rally around the same mission, something happens. You have a movement, a God-given mission and vision for our future. God has given all of us a unique part to play in accomplishing what he has set before us. And we are most impactful when we stay true to who God has called us to be. Because the kingdom of God doesn't need any more replication of other ministries. And it doesn't need any more imitation. What it needs is innovation that comes through obedience. For we experience no greater freedom than when we are walking in step with Christ and going where he has called us to go. But we know that our God is for us. And we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So here we stand with a lamp on our feet and a light on our path, coming alive to our calling. For we are Grace Capital Church, and this is our awakening. Pastor Greg and I are going to tag team a little bit this morning um, for you. But by the way, are you excited to be in church today? Oh, man. I'll tell you, um, you saw in that pastor appreciation video that I wake up on Sunday mornings, and I, and I, I was told this morning that it is becoming irritating. It was cute, but I, I say, it's Christmas morning, kids! I'm so excited on Sundays to come to church and to worship with you and, and to just kind of be in God's presence. And it, it literally feels like Sunday morning for me. But one of my kids this morning says, Dad, that was kind of funny, but it's kind of getting irritating now. <laughs> As I'm waking my kids, shaking, come on, guys, Christmas morning. It's not Christmas morning, Dad. Well, I am excited to be here uh, with you, and it's exciting to see what God is doing. I was in Pittsfield, in our Pittsfield location last night, and Pastor Peter was in town. He had an opportunity to speak, but I want to let you know, God is stirring in our locations. God is stirring in our cities, and it is, I want to just kind of, one of my jobs as a pastor is to begin to see what God is doing and steer us into the direction coming into alignment to what God is doing. And I want to tell you the season where we are in the beginnings of revival. Anybody excited about that? People are coming alive to who God is. But you know where revival always starts? It starts with us. God revives our heart 
and our passions to come into alignment to with what he is doing. And, and the excitement that we're feeling when we come to church is God just preparing us to be able to reach others to share his goodness and his life through us to others. And so revival starts with us. And uh, it is an exciting time, and it is so cool to see what God is doing in each one of our locations. Well, this series, Awakening, it was just not by a mistake that we started this series during this time, because I've heard story after story after story of how God has done something in their life. For those of you who have gone through this series so far, it, honestly, just don't make us feel all nice on the inside, but how many people re- have grown already through this series? Yeah, it's God is doing something. So the first week we talked about how God's presence changes us. And oh my word, you experience God's presence and it really begins to transform the insides of who you are. Then we talked about how the Holy Spirit empowers us. See, it's not just good to come into God's presence, but he wants to use us to be conduits for him. To share his kingdom ways with other people, to see people set free, to come alive into the calling that, that people have outside these church walls. And so he, the Holy Spirit empowers us to be greater witnesses and to bring life to people. That's why that's the second value that we have. God's presence changes us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. And then why, where's our focus need to be? People matter to us. See, God in, gives us the Holy Spirit, and it's not for me and Jesus, it's me and Jesus and all those people that he's entrusted in our care. Not in our care, but those relationships that God has already given us. That we are to share Jesus with them. I know it's been so amazing having some of our neighbors over uh, to our home uh, for Life Group. And just to see them beginning to open up to the things of the Lord. Fantastic. And then last week we talked about generosity becomes us. You know what? Is it, wouldn't it be amazing to actually... Talking about generosity, I heard that Pittsfield, New Hampshire was like a revivalist center at one point, as I do believe uh, the Lakes region were. But Pittsfield, I heard about the story last night. And here's the interesting thing. During uh, wartime, Pittsfield was known as the most generous city that would provide supplies to, uh, to our warriors or to our, what do you call it? guys in the military? Soldiers. There you are, warriors. Soldiers. To our, to our, they are warriors, but Soldiers. See, I think what happens is when we get revived and we see how good our Father is, we sang about him this morning, that, that we begin to be, be, begin to see how generous he is with us, and that spills out in our own lives. So generosity becomes us. You see, so this is where we've tracked, and then today, Pastor Greg is going to share with you about how our community should want us. And if there's anything that you are known for, Grace Capital Church of Laconia, is your engagement with this community is spectacular. So would you just give a big round of applause for Pastor Greg as he comes and shares the word with you this morning. How about that? Let me pray. God, God, you have awakened us. God, you have instilled your presence inside of us. God, you have placed us on a mission together, and that mission is going to impact this community. You want to work in us and through us. 
God, and we confess that the church over the past couple hundred years has become isolated from society. That there's this myth that there's separation between church and state. That our community doesn't want us. That we're to stay inside the walls of this room here. But we know, God, that you're calling us to follow you. We know that the field's not in here, the field's outside of these walls. So Jesus, we ask you to give us a vision of what that would look like. For us to go out into this community to see people restored, to see families restored, to see cities restored, to see this nation restored to see your kingdom advance. That you have given us a divine initiative and divine empowerment to live it out. Set us on that course. Set us on that course, God. Amen. I'd like to open with a parable that God placed on my heart. It's the first time I've done this. Kind of excited. Once there was a king, he was a great king, he was a compassionate king. He ruled over a great kingdom where the citizens of his kingdom lived in fullness of joy and peace. They lacked nothing. All of their needs were met through the great king. One day the king learned of a people in a far off land who were suffering both in famine and disease. The people were without hope. The people were without a king. The king, being merciful and just, called to himself three ambassadors. He gave each ambassador supplies of food and medicine for the people. He commissioned them to go to the people and proclaim the good news of the kingdom, that if they desired, he would be their king. With eager anticipation, the three ambassadors journeyed to the distant land. When the first ambassador arrived, he traveled throughout the land. And he quickly learned that the suffering was great. And he felt overwhelmed by what he saw. And he knew that he had these supplies of medicine and food with him. And he thought, how will I ever be able to have an impact upon this land? So he had an idea. He set up a tent. And that tent had two rooms. There was one room where he had his supplies. And in the other room, which was larger, he thought that, I know what I'll do. I'll invite people to come, and I will tell them about the kingdom. And if they decide that they want to be part of the kingdom, then I'll bring them to the back room where they can have food and medicine, and they can be made well. So the ambassador set out notices about the weekly meeting, and so they met. And in the first week, there was quite a crowd. Most seemed eager to hear with what the ambassador had to say. Halfway through the meeting, though, most of the people left and did not stay because they were too ill or too weak to sit through. So they went back to their homes in hopes that they would be made well. Hmm. Those that did stay to the end were skeptical about the king's offer, 
and did not want to, but they didn't want to make you know, such a big commitment, so they decided to hold off on their decision. They too went home, and many were too weak to come back to another meeting. A few people, after hearing the offer, did receive it, and they were given food and medicine, and they rejoiced greatly. Excited about their decision, the ambassador continued to hold weekly tent meetings, but week after week, fewer people came, and fewer people received the king's offer. Eventually, the ambassador became discouraged at the lack of response. The first ambassador took down his tent, packed up his supplies, and went back to his kingdom, angry and frustrated. He blamed the people of the land for his inability to fulfill his mission. They would not come. They would not listen. They did not want to be saved from perishing. The people of the land continued to suffer, and they remained without a king. The second ambassador decided to take a different approach than the first. The ambassador, rather than setting up a tent and hosting weekly meetings, he went to the town square and he set up a relief station where people could come and receive food and medicine. Trying not to repeat the mistakes of the first ambassador, the second decided to give away the supplies without telling where they were from, without telling them about their king or about the king's offer. He figured that the people would eventually ask where the supplies had come from, while he was giving them out. So he thought eventually they would decide on their own to become members of his kingdom. The second ambassador was received with great joy by the suffering people. Each day, hundreds came to the town square to receive food and medicine. So many came, to the ambas- came, uh, so many came that the ambassador became quickly overwhelmed with the work of distributing the supplies. In his business, he forgot to tell the people the good news of the kingdom or the king's offer. Eventually, the supplies ran out. And the ambassador left mildly discouraged that he could not do more, but he was satisfied for all the relief that he had provided. The people of the land left without hope, knowing that the ambassador, not knowing that if the the ambassador would return with more supplies. Thus, the people continued to suffer. They remained without a king. There was a third ambassador. This ambassador saw the folly of the first two, and decided to take a different approach. This ambassador went into the land, and he traveled from house to house. And when he went into each home, he told them stories about his king. He told them about the land. He gave them the supplies of food and medicine. And house by house, family by family, the individuals became restored. And as he would tell them about the king, many would ask, how may I become a member of that kingdom? And others still said, how can I help you in telling others about this kingdom? So together they went from house to house. And eventually that land was restored. All their needs were met. They had fullness of joy. And they served the great king. I believe that God gave me this story because I think it's the story of the church. I think that we in the past have gone through an era where we have services like this and we ask people to come to us. And we tell them the good news when they come here. And if they want to be part of what we're doing, then they experience the good news. I believe that the other is 
The other approach of the second ambassador is one in which is filled with compassion, and it's extremely Christ-like to meet needs. But the people never actually heard about the king, and the relief was temporary. And the third, I believe, is what God is calling us to do, because I believe that is the mission of Christ. That Christ had a divine initiative, and he had divine empowerment to live it out. If you turn with me to Luke 4, we'll learn of the mission of Christ, and we will see that as we live out this mission... That as we proclaim the good news, and in proclaiming it's more than words, that our cities and our communities will want us. That as they experience Jesus through us, they'll want us. Luke 4, verse 18. Let's start in 16, actually. Luke 4, 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had, brought, had been brought up. And was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Here we have Jesus arriving on the scene And he is proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God. And the gospel of the kingdom of God is the good news that God is restoring all things to himself. He's restoring relationships between God and man. He's restoring relationships between man and man, man and self, man and creation. He's restoring good news. He's restoring all things. And he says that this is good news. And the word that he uses for proclaim means to be a herald. It means to announce something. It means to not just say it, to do it. That he had arrived to go out and complete a mission. That he had a job to do. And this, the interesting thing about this word proclaim, okay, there's actually two, two words in the Greek um, that are used throughout the New Testament for proclaiming the gospel. One of them's 
Caruso, and one is kerygma. And Caruso means to proclaim in a religious setting, such as when he stood up in the synagogue. And kerygma means to proclaim to the masses, to go out to the outsiders and to tell them the good news. Not just tell them, but to speak it into existence. You see that Jesus here, God himself, is saying that the spirit of the Lord was upon him to proclaim the good news, not only to the insiders, but to the outsiders. And at the end of this message, he says, today this was fulfilled in your hearing. That this was like the creation account where God said, let there be light and boom, there was light. Where God said, let there be water and boom, there was water. And he, he spoke it into existence because the, he was empowered by God to accomplish it. So this was good news, not just for the religious people. This was good news for all of creation. And what was this good news? Does it say any, in, in this passage, does it say anything about going to heaven? No. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. What's the gospel? Oh, hold on a second now. I think that we've been confused and we've narrowed what the gospel is. You know, there's the gospel of salvation, right? That through Christ, when we confess our sins... You know, substitution, he died on the cross so that when, when we put our trust in him, we can go to heaven. We get that and we preach that, but that's a part of the good news. This is the rest of the good news, that God is restoring all things. Jesus was proclaiming that good news is good news to everybody. Yes. That this good news was good news to everybody. Yes. You hear that? That this good news is good news to everybody, not just Christians. This is good news to the entire world. The spirit of the Lord God, just like we talked about empowerment, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. He has given me this task. He has set me apart for this. This is why I'm here. And he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to who? To the poor, to the captives, to the blind, to the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that the mission of Christ was to go to the marginalized. Yes. The mission of Christ was to go to the outcasts of society and not only tell them in words that he was here to help, to actually be the good news, to accomplish it, to set people free, to heal people physically. See, God is the God of restoration, and he's bringing about restoration not only in the spiritual realm. He's bringing it about in the physical realm. He's bringing it about in the social realm. He's restoring dignity to people because people have value. That in the beginning when God made man, he said it is good. Not that we're not broken, not that we're not sinful. People know that already. You don't have to go out in the world and tell them that they're sinners. They know that. Come on now. People are hurting and dying. They're oppressed. They're enslaved to addictions. They're enslaved to heroin. They're enslaved to pornography. And they're dying. And they need to know that there's an answer. 
And they need to know that there's a Jesus who loves them and cares for them. And they need to know that he cares for them now. That, that the, the benefits of the kingdom aren't just for later when you die, that they're now as well. That the kingdom of God is advancing into this world now. Now, it's not fully yet, but it's now still. And he wants us. Well, I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Listen, so he had this mission and it was to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And as he went about from town to town, the crowd surrounded him. They pressed in on him. If only they could touch his robe. If only they would heal their lame feet. If only they would help them see. If only they would loosen his tongue. And the religious people sat and they watched and they judged him because he loved too radically for them. That he broke down social board boundaries. There was a caste system in their society and he flipped it upside down. That the greatest was the poor and the broken and the destitute. And the good news was for them. And he lived it out and it didn't stop there. He took the 12 that were following him and he said, I'm anointing you to go and do the same thing. And he sent them out into the towns and the cities. And you know what they did? They went house to house. They went house to house. And did they come back discouraged? No. It actually says they came back rejoicing. Because demons were cast out in Jesus' name. They had a divine initiative and divine empowerment to accomplish it. And they lived it out. And they saw people restored. They saw households restored. And people were coming in droves to Jesus. And it didn't stop with the 12. He took 72 and he sent them out with the same mission. And they went from house to house proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And when they proclaimed it, it wasn't just words. It was in word and deed. Because the spirit of the Lord was upon them to accomplish it. And there is a third commissioning that happens in the book of Acts, which is even greater. Where God poured out his spirit on all flesh for those who know the Lord. And he poured out his spirit and he has empowered us now to go and live this out. He has called us to proclaim Caruso and Kerygma, to go out and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God out there and in here so that people would be set free, so that people might be able to see, so that there would be the year of Jubilee that rhymed. We're heading into the year of Jubilee right now. Do you know what the year of Jubilee is? In Jewish culture... Every 50 years, all of the land was restored back to families. Debts were canceled. Fields were left fallow. And anyone could come and pick the food they wanted that would grow. Glean. I like that word, glean. Yeah. The year of Jubilee shows that God is the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances. He's the God of fourth chances. He's the God of a hundred chances. And the good news is that people who are broken, whose lives are falling apart, still have value. 
that God wants to take their lives and he wants to restore them and he wants them to become part of his kingdom, that he wants to fill them with joy, that he wants to restore their lives. And he's calling us to proclaim that good news. And he's calling us to open up our houses. And this is why we do life groups to open up our houses so that our neighbors can come and hear the good news of the kingdom of God so that we can be a source of provision, both physically, spiritually, and socially to restore people, to restore families. And you know what happens when you store your families? You get restored communities. And you know what happens? You get restored communities. You get restored cities and towns. And he has us on this mission. He's empowered us to do it. And woo, it's going to be awesome. Because that is why we're here. And that is what we're awakening to. The spirit of the Lord God is upon us to go out and accomplish this. Will we do it? Will we do it? Amen. Woo, that went by fast. It just said wrap it up. I don't know. That's Maya. He does the rapping back there. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to this, right? Listen, I, mean, I got to show you. This is beautiful. I gotta, come on now. This is the best. Okay. When Jesus stood up in the synagogue and he read from Isaiah, Isaiah 61. Turn to Isaiah 61. You know what it says after, after the passage that he read? Come on now. I'm pumped about this. Is, this is, come on now. Watch this now, watch this. Go to verse 4. Actually, one, we read three, because that picks up where he left off. So that to grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness. Instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they might be called oaks of righteousness. He's talking about us right here. He's saying that, you know what? We have broken people in here, and God wants to restore you. That God wants to restore the joy of your salvation. That He wants to make beauty from ashes. That those who have been following them, they've been cast down for too long. That He wants to restore you, and He wants to transform you into an oak of righteousness. Now watch this now, verse four. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Oh, you know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like a restored city to me. That sounds like a community of people that want us because when they encounter us, they experience Jesus. And not Greg and not Elaine and not Mark. They experience Jesus. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine. You know what that's saying? That's saying we'll work side by side. That we'll work side by side with people in our community. But you shall be called the priests of God, and they shall speak of you as the ministers of God. They will see Jesus in you, that you will be the minister of your neighborhood, that you will be the pastor of your workplace, that God would use you to restore the people that you work with daily, that, that, that you encounter day by day. 
and they will see Jesus in you and they will recognize it and they will call you the minister of God. Come on now. You shall eat the wealth of the nations and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, thou shalt be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. God will restore dignity to people through your ministry. And here's the best part. They shall have, not joy, everlasting joy. They'll come to know Jesus. The gospel of salvation. So that when we live out the good news of the kingdom and we're meeting needs of people as they're broken and dying, they'll see Jesus for who he is. They'll receive him as their king. And they'll rejoice because they're part of the kingdom. Amen? That's our mission. That our communities will want us when they experience Jesus through us. That the good news is more than words. It's more than words. That we're just not preaching the gospel. We're doing the gospel. And as we do the gospel, people will see Jesus for who he is. And they'll come alongside and they'll want to follow as well. That we don't have to be afraid. Now, don't get me wrong. There will be persecution. The Bible's clear on that. I'm not saying everyone's going to love us. But you know who's going to love us? The people who are sick. The people who need a physician. Those who are broken and destitute. The lowly ones. The social outcasts. They'll rejoice. Because they'll realize that the God of the universe, who they thought wasn't paying attention, has been paying attention all all along. We have a divine initiative and divine empowerment to live it out, to restore people, to restore families, to restore towns and cities. And he wants to work in you and through you to accomplish it. He wants to work in us and through us as a community so that we are a community of restoration. What would it look like if you became a pastor? Let's bring it home. Let's bring it simple. Pastor of your neighborhood that here's your house, that you go out and you get to know the people that live here, 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 and here. All those houses surrounding, that you learn the names of their kids, that you discover their hopes and dreams, that you learn the things that they're struggling with, their fears, that you cry with them, that you rejoice with them, that you have dinner with them, that you show them the kingdom of, kingdom of God in word and deed and in power. That you exhibit the kingdom of God. What would that be like? Neighborhood by neighborhood, we would see restoration. And our community would want us. God, I pray that you would send us out to that end. I pray that you would commission us to that end. God, I thank you that you don't allow us to wander. God, that you set us on course. 
God, send us on this mission. We are willing. Amen. Yes, let's hear for, uh, for Jesus and for Greg. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pastor Greg, for, uh, man, a powerful word to really... Guys, we can't just leave here expecting to be the same. The Word of God has spoken to us, and it transforms us. We've got to put action to this. Be a minister, be a pastor to your work, to your neighborhood. Be Jesus wherever you are. You see, revival's happening, and uh, it is exciting. I don't want us to leave here uh, without also acknowledging, if you don't know who Jesus is, and you want to start a relationship with him today, well, you said, I kind of know, I've heard of him, but you would say, I don't have a personal relationship with him. I want to pray with you this morning. And so if you want that, just come right up here and see one of us, Greg, myself. Also, we have those who would love to pray with you. So if those who are going to be our prayer team today, just come at this point in time just so people can identify you before we leave. Also, life group leaders, you know that uh, you've already gotten an email. You need to grab your Operation Christmas Child stuff that's on the uh, table on your way out to do through life group. We're going to get shoe boxes to bless some kids uh, this Christmas. And so, uh, love you guys. And I want to let you know that Jesus is doing something. The Holy Spirit is doing something, and he wants to do it through you. Amen. And we are going to see communities restored because of Jesus inside of us. Love you guys. Have an amazing day. Uh, we'll see you back here next week. Enjoy your life groups this week as we discover our community should want us.